Ministry, one, oh, one. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from Eden Prime, because I've already used the Citadel, is uh, my very special guest, Mr. Matt Bradford, a.k.a. Matt McFly. What's going on, sir? Good, Fred Rojas. It's been a while since we've been on the same podcast together. I'm excited. Yes, yes, it has. And uh, and welcome to, I think this is your premiere on Gaming History 101. So. Are you? No. First of all, do you not remember I came on to talk about Twin Galaxies? I do. Like because three years were, ago. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> For a short time, our feed didn't uh, didn't stretch out, so we didn't we didn't. Uh, it was hard to find our archived episodes. You had to go to our archive and find them. Lately, I've upgraded the feed, so now it has all all of our episodes. But yes, I do right. recall that now. So I think that was like right. the second episode or second or third episode. That was one of the it first was, ones. It was definitely an early one. In fact, here let's look at the podcast archive. Oh, but before I forget, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the chat. We have a birthday. It's Dr. Blue Guy's birthday, so happy birthday to you. Um, Go with a pie, Dr. Blue Guy. Go with a pie. That's right. That's right. He was, he was asking chat, pie or cake, and I'm... Oh, pie. I think pie is it. Yeah. 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 Two, two hosts told you, like, you have to do it now. Um, <laughs> uh, Twin Galaxies was actually 2013, season two, episode 29. Oh, season two. Okay, my bad. Season two was just our second year. Uh, Season one was very brief, you know, like on a TV show. It was only it was only twelve twenty short episodes in in twenty twelve. Pilot season. Then he got renewed by all games for fifty episodes, and we weren't on all games yet. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So, well, welcome, sir. Thank you for joining us Um, tonight. We are going to be talking about the Mass Effect series. And people who are avid listeners, and even some of you who are not avid listeners, are probably like, wait a minute, you guys have already done a Mass Effect episode, and we have. It was called Shepard, dot, 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 Shepard, actually, uh, and it had uh, Jam and Mitendi, his, uh, his partner, his girl, uh, his girlfriend, um, and it wasn't that long ago, January 2016, so just about 15 months ago, um, so why do it again? Uh, the reason we're going to do it again is a couple of reasons. One, we talked about rehashes, but two, um, that episode was good. I'm actually very proud of that episode. I'm glad we have it. And, um, there's definitely nothing that I could criticize about my co-hosts. They were actually great, had lots of knowledge and really nailed it. Um, and actually were jammed to be, uh, back from his hiatus and no, I don't know when he's coming back, but I know it should be soon. He says, um, (laughs) we would have him on, um, but the problem was, was I was really distracted throughout the entire episode. I'm talking about trying to win a Jaguar CD. I was obsessed. It wasn't right. 
Um, <laughs> secondarily, there was absolutely no composure to the show. There was no kind of like connection. And I kept saying like, we're not going to talk about the plot, but then we talked about the plot. And I focused a lot on like just people kind of reminiscing on stories. And I'm actually kind of happy that's there. But I want to take mm. an opportunity to go back and look at the series from kind of a macro perspective where we kind right. of just delve into the influence of the video games, the three video games in, in kind of where they land uh, through the, the, the very simple glass of uh, that was last gen and where is it at now? And maybe we can, you know, maybe I've, I've seen some things happening in the last week with the release of Mass Effect Andromeda this I wanna, week. I, I have got a lot to say about that, too. So oh, do you? Okay. We'll get into it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, I will give some time at the end. Uh, two full disclosures <clears throat> for those of you listening uh, on the recorded one. I had audio issues, which I'm hoping will be gone. Uh, it was on my end. It wasn't on Matt's. Um, and we are starting late. So this episode is going to be a little shorter, only about 90 minutes. But I think we can still nail it. I think we still got it. And I did go back and listen to the last episode, the Shepherd episode. So Matt doesn't know this, but I will help kind of steer the conversation so that you get new information <laughs> so that we don't retread old areas. Uh, obviously, so there will be me some talking retread. and you're going to jump in and say we talked about that. Uh, you'd be surprised because um, we're okay. uh, yeah, you'd be surprised the interesting things we covered, which is kind of why I'm really glad it's there. But the interesting things we didn't cover, the very interesting things we didn't cover, like mm -hmm. especially when you deal with the two sequels, which is weird because Massive Mass Effect One is the weird anomaly where not everyone's played it and not everyone liked it, and yeah, that's true. So, um, couple real quick things. One, if you wrote me an email that was not intended to be read on the show, I did get it. I'm sorry I haven't responded. I've been busy, I guess, and therefore I will respond soon. So you know who you are. Cheers. <laughs> Two, I am fully aware it is the 20th anniversary of Symphony of the Night. Now, uh, Matt, are you familiar with Castlevania Symphony of the Night? I am. You know what? That's actually a game I haven't played. Oh, well, then I'm very glad we're not going to get into it. But um, yeah. yeah, I yeah. would have agreed to come on. I, 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 would have, I would have pushed one thing. Oh, we did a really good episode that was very focused and very solid from a, uh, a, a guest who wasn't on too often, but he's very intelligent. And I, I'm pretty sure he listens uh, still. And if he doesn't, he's definitely still a fan and follows us on Twitter and stuff, uh, which is Alan. Alan Phoenix, actually. Um, he was on episode yeah. 61, Devil's Castle Dracula, which we covered this series and definitely talked about Symphony of the Night. Uh, so just shy of a game club which we didn't plan for um we really can't uh do more with that so so there you go um but uh but uh, but i do know it's the 20th anniversary and if you do go on gaminghistory101.com i wrote not only a retrospective of symphony of the night but i came back and wrote a review also so there's plenty to take in so episode 61 plus those two works you should be pretty good should be pretty good on uh what is a rock solid game uh celebrating um why does 20 years not sound right? Why do I feel like it's older than that? No, actually, yeah, 1997. No, 97, that's right. Yeah, that's 20 years. Okay. Uh, okay. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. so the math works out. <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I are writers first. Uh. <laughs> Ritters. <laughs> yeah. we, we will I'm, completely... I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hunt down, because my, my buddy produced a series of Castlevania videos that goes Ooh. really in-depth into the series, and I think you'd dig it personally, Fred, and I think I your audience would dig it too. I would. So I I'm going to try to track that down while we're while we're talking as well. No problem. And if you do not, uh, just uh, you know how to get in contact with me. Hit me up with the link. I'll do a post on Gaming History 101 about it. 
Yeah, please. Okay, awesome. But so with that, we are going to jump into Mass Effect. Now, I had all these songs and whatnot queued up uh, so that Matt and I and the listeners can all listen to it at the same time, Uh, which, by the way, listeners live on all games every uh, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, assuming I don't have sound problems, at which point it's about 715, 720 Eastern. Um, And uh, you can come join us, uh, allgames.com. Come join in the chat and whatnot. Uh, But... Because we are stripped for time, I think I'm going to throw those in in post. So I've created more work for myself. Yay. Um, oh, I was looking forward to like the, the opening song to Mass Effect. You know, like... Uh, do we re- okay, why not? Why don't I just do them? I've queued them up. Please. I've, I've wasted Come on. the time. Okay. Doesn't matter. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And then I don't have to do any work, which is always positive for me. Uh, That's, let's see you know, eliminate. Yeah. <laughs> let's suppose that you're right. Ah! Let's not. Oh suppose. yeah, I remember that song. That was the yeah. uh, Citadel song. That's right. <laughs> Let's suppose <laughs> that the person is completely stealing money because uh, they want to charge ads for copyrighted material on YouTube. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think this is the main one. So here we go with the main theme. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about is right? That for it? You? It might have to theme. get going. I remember it was more kind of Tronish music before Tron Legacy. How's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, this is just the full OST, so that's why. There yeah, you go. So we're getting pumped. The Shepherd. Ah. <laughs> For real, though, this is a great soundtrack. It really is. And then we just slowly fade it out so that I don't get a content warning. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, and assist. But yes, exactly. So there you go. There's Mass Effect 1 um, just getting us started. Um, and uh, we'll give the, I'll give the quick specs, uh, although we have kind of gone over this. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know, I think the the biggest thing is uh, released in uh, 2007 uh, in all regions. Uh, pretty much, let's see, it looks like November 2007 for uh, Australia got it first, then North America, then Europe. Um, but the same week in November. So everybody kind of got it at the same time. Uh, on the Xbox 360 platform at the time of its premiere, it was later ported to Windows and PlayStation 3. Um, which we'll get into that probably with Mass Effect 2, the PlayStation 3 stuff. Um... But uh, this was this came at a time where it had really, really high aspirations, I would say. And uh, before we get started, Matt, uh, did you were you kind of following Mass Effect pre-release? And um, I guess I'll say, yeah. Okay, so you were following a pre-release, and you were gaming and everything. You were in the you were in I the, was gaming the mud. And you just you just reminded me too that it came out. Uh, you said on Xbox 360 first, right? Correct. Because I remember for, I mean, I might be jumping ahead, but I remember for the second one, I got it for PS3. And at that time, right. they, they had the option of going online and making your decisions, I think, so they could transfer over. No, or there was a conversation at the beginning of two. It's Either a, way, I remember it's, having Well, that, actually, um, it's a, there's a conversation at the beginning yeah. of two, but there's also a program you got with Mass Effect 1, uh, or for Mass Effect 1. Um, I'm trying to see what it was called. It's called like Generations or Genesis or something where you would right. watch like a hour and a half hybrid like comic book with decisions that That's would right. kind of yeah. supplement your your save state. So that was a thing. That was a thing. Genesis. There we go. 
So, and believe it or not, Genesis later would release on 360. So, and there is a Genesis 2 to bridge the gap from the Mass Effect 2 save in Mass Effect 3. So, technically, you can buy those. I think they're 10 or 20 bucks a piece, normal price, and I doubt they'll ever go on sale again. Um, and those are available uh, definitely on 360 and PS3. To my knowledge, it might also be on EA Origin, though. I think you can also get Genesis on those. So, pretty sure it would be on EA, yeah. But the big thing was, yeah, Mass Effect promised it was from Bioware, right? And they're coming off the cusp of Jade Empire was their previous release in 2005 on the original oh, wow. Xbox. Yes, yeah. that was their last big release. Um, and so here comes Mass Effect. And Mass Effect, at first, I think the appropriate term would be the overused cautiously optimistic <laughs> with the first game. And the reason I say that is um, <clears throat> it was supposed to be a trilogy from the get, right? It was going to be a big trilogy. Right. sci-fi universe, unique characters. You make your own character. You make your own decisions from Bioware. And uh, the problem was there were quite a few games that had big trilogies promised. Uh, if you will recall at this time. Advent Rising, do you remember that one? Advent Rising, I do, I do. <laughs> that was um, supposed to be a trilogy, and that bombed flat out the game. Yes, and MDK also comes to mind as uh, right. uh, one of those ones. But uh, I think the big trilogies that were kind of gaining some traction, uh, but also some scrutiny at the time, was y'all remember uh, this little this little franchise called Uncharted uh, went from <laughs> being Drake's fortune into a trilogy. They were going to make a Drake trilogy. Um, right. That was announced. I think Uncharted 1 was already out, but it might have been on its way out. The other one, which people will laugh more fondly about if you remember it, was Silicon Knights and Dennis Dyack got themselves into some pretty hot water with a little game called Too Human. Right. Too Human. That was, that was sold huge when it came out. And very much on the same concept, a very big trilogy. You make your own character, and it was a trilogy, and it did not work out that way for Two Human. <laughs> in fact, no. Two Human ha oh, but later in time, much later in time, would get pulled off shelves by Epic Games. Um, they crapped the bed pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah for stealing um, for stealing the Unreal Engine. So don't do that, Dennis and and Silicon Knights. <laughs> and if you're ever a developer, don't steal the code. Uh, it's a little different world now than it was when Unreal 3 reigned supreme on the 360, but that was the case. Um, right. So Mass Effect did come out at, at that time pre-release where people were like, well, let's see what they do. But it was Bioware and they had a pedigree, right? I think they were... Jade Empire was okay received. We even did a game club for it. Um, but I think they were still riding Coder. high on KOTOR. Right. Yes, yes. And yeah, the P... Yeah. And, and it was coming out on PC. Like, they knew it was going to come out on PC eventually for uh, Mass Effect. It was just going to be a later port. And a lot of people still held a lot of pe pedigree for BioWare um, because of their... Oh, I'm always going to screw up on which D&D they did. Did they do the fur... Neverwinter Nights? Wasn't that them? No, wasn't it Baldur's Gate? They no. did Baldur's Gate. You're right. Was You're it Baldur's right. Gate? Yeah. I knew I'd fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there you go. So uh, Bioware definitely had pre pedigree, so people were positive on it. Um, just to skip ahead for a second, uh, the safest thing you could probably say about Last Generation was that Mass Effect was a good franchise. <laughs> I'd go so far as great franchise. Yes. In fact, you might even be safe in saying it, it was the best franchise to come out last gen. Now, people might not agree with you, but it's a very safe statement to make. I think so. um, if it's at least in the top three, I'm trying to think of other series that would uh, eclipse the Mass Effect series. You know, some people would of... say Uncharted. Um, 
Some people would say, there. you know, I mean, I don't know. There, there were some and other Mario. franchises. Yeah, <laughs> Mario Zelda. Galaxy was pretty big. I don't know if Zelda <laughs> had a good generation. <laughs> Last generation, <laughs> Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess aren't of the most coveted in the, those franchises. But even <gasps> stuff like Heresy. yeah, right, uh, like God of War. Even though the only one game came out really last gen, um, right? You know, right. There, and there were a couple others. There's something I'm definitely missing that somebody. Oh, Assassin's Creed would probably be met with a lot of positivity from the 360 yep. era, especially with the Ezio trilogy, and then of course the yeah, aforementioned the Nathan Drake, Nathan Drake, and and whatnot. But anyway, Mass Effect is very safe. And if you ask someone right now, what are the best games from the 360 era? Especially if you phrase it as the 360 era, huh. Mass Effect's on the list. I don't see how it's not. <clears throat> Absolutely. Especially so. the third one. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, really? Oh, okay. Are you being facetious? <laughs> the third no. one. Okay, <laughs> when we right. get to the third one, the scrutiny about the endings is what comes to mind. The shit that the, the backpedaling uh, they had to do. Um, uh, see, I disagreed with that. But we'll get into the, the good, third one. Good, good. I'm glad you, you disagreed. It's important to yeah. disagree. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> No, it really is. Uh, I feel that the problem with the internet today, and I promise this is not a political statement, is that people are too scared to disagree. Um, people like to delete comments when they don't relate to uh, the case they're trying to build, uh, which actually just shows weakness on your part. And uh, people don't want to hear other people's perspectives. Matt, even though I may think you're wrong, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on Mass Effect 3. <laughs> hear my thoughts on Matt. Holy shit. And I apologize, chatters. I apologize, my uh, chat box got locked, so I thought no one was chatting and then just saw that everyone's take talking. So, And Andrew, you are not late. Welcome to the party. Welcome to everybody. Uh, we started late, so there you go. Um, right. So Mass Effect 1, the story of the... And I really think this trilogy will come to be known, well, unless Andromeda dies the horrible death people want it to, which I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Um well, you know, I think it'll be later named kind of like the Ezio trilogy as like the Shepherd trilogy. It is a uh, it is kind of a, a drop in the bucket of that Mass Effect universe, um, but it introduces the character of Commander Shepard. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and you get to be male or female. Um, Matt, quick poll. Were you a male Shep or a femme Shep? <laughs> uh, well, for a male Shep for my uh, good guy run and I was femme Shep for my uh, dick run, which is the, ah. uh, the renegade run. Yeah. Which, <laughs> no, no so not, I, not dick as in like a dick, but I like, I always used to play Mass Effect, like good guy, do the good guy stuff. And then second one was like, just a really like hard nosed woman. I uh, got you. So, well, from anybody. and in, in, in the, in the immortal phrases of the Bioware pantheon, you were either a paragon as a male or a renegade, or a renegade yeah. as a female. Um, right. I just thought it was funny and because I, you chose to call it your dick run, which is uh, <laughs> the one thing Fem Shep doesn't have. I don't believe Fem Shep has. Right. <laughs> right. I just wanted a very authoritative, not, not that authoritative <laughs> women are bad. I just wanted a very kind of, and it was funny in the first game, they hadn't really fine tuned the whole Paragon and Renegade thing. So it was very much like, do you give him an ice cream cone or smack him in the face? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yes. Your and, options. And I think it's safe to say, yeah, the entire B- first Mass Effect game was very binary. Um, there weren't really many shades of gray. There were definitely not fifty shades of gray. That's the last bad joke I'm going to make this show. Um, <clears throat> I'm lying. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of your decisions, down to your major decisions near the end of the game, are pretty black and white. 
Right. Um, to which I mean, and I should say this up front, we're going to talk about spoilers a little bit, and I do think this should just be a freeform discussion. So, um, But like, there are two major characters that are by your side through most of the game, regardless of whether you're male or femme, Shep, which is um, Caden Alenko and Alice. Is it Alice? I think it's Alice. Anyway, and a girl. I remember, <laughs> I remember you had to choose someone to die. Exactly. And it's just one of them dies, right? Um, and off screen uh, through your headset. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the other one is the infamous um, who dies. Is it Rex or does Rex die or does Rex not die? Um, that's another big one. Um, right. Uh, and so those are very to me. Those are very. Oh, here we go. I've got it. Ashley. Ashley Williams is your oh, other one. Right. It's Caden Alenko and Ashley Williams. And I won't lie, I actually uh, am prone to keep Ashley alive. I know there's a lot of people in the Caden camp. Um, really? Caden was gone immediately. Well, and we kind of discovered in the previous episode that it, it it seemed to be directly related to whether you were attracted to men or women. If you were attracted to men, yeah. you kept Caden alive. If you were attracted to women, you kept Ashley alive. And there was that. Uh, and we kind of also deduced that those were pretty boring characters, both of them. <laughs> so. It really was. It wasn't like, oh, yay, Ashley. It was like, eh, I'll keep Ashley around. And and the funny yeah. thing was, in Mass Effect 3, they followed that up because both of them appear in Mass Effect 3. Uh, depending on who you saved in the very first game. That is correct. And also, same with Rex. Uh, although, again, much like a lot of the other decisions, whether Rex dies or not is kind of irrelevant because in Mass Effect 3, you just get a different Krogan leader. Like, they literally just cookie-cutter him in. Um, Strex. This is Strex. <laughs> exactly. Same voice actor. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so this whole game is very binary. And again, we can bring that up at a later time, but that's pretty much how it works. Um, and then you do have a lot of different, you know, backgrounds and skills. Uh, probably the two biggest ones is, do you choose to go with the kind of Jedi skills? Um, or do you choose to go with the, what is the other one, biotics? Or are those the what Jedi was, skills? It was engineer, was it? Sentinel, engineer. yeah. And there was another, yeah, it was definitely like wizard, tank, or <laughs> mixture of both. Yes, you got it. Right? You got it. Yes. So you yeah. could be kind of Jedi, you could be kind of cybernetic, or you could just be different derivatives of, uh, I would say, D&D classes, to be honest. Um, and that's not that's not to say it as a negative thing. They, they do what they do, and it works very well. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and you kind of set things up. The one thing I scrutinized in the previous uh, episode, and I want to kind of bring it up here, and I wondered your thoughts... Um, mm. was the thing that drives me nuts about Bioware games is there's never like, you know, I know we criticize them a lot, but those, uh, not Bioware, we criticize when game companies do this, where they give you like everything for the first level and then take it all yeah. away. Yeah. The reason I think it's useful for a game like this is you have to make decisions about whether you're going to like use sniper rifles and pistols or shotguns and assault rifles, or are you going to use Jedi powers or are you going to use cyborg powers? And you have mm -hmm. no idea how those work. Yeah, they play in the world. That's a, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. So in that you, sense, because there's a ton of ways you could have played a Mass Effect 1. Yeah, you kind you of approach you kind of make decisions for a future you don't understand yet. And I think even right. in like uh, Jade Empire, I think they have you make those decisions later. But I could be wrong. I know in Star Wars they had you make them right up right up front. But I feel like you have this feel for the Star Wars universe in Kotor. 
that you don't have right. in Mass Effect starting it out. Also, real quick to answer the question, because some people are asking, uh, can characters sleep with both? No, one of the biggest controversies is that I do believe homosexual male relationships are allowed. Or no, wait, when the first one, didn't they block all of them? Sex? I think I had sex in the first Mass no, you oh. can have sex, but you, you yeah. can even have interspecies sex. I don't remember if that's in the first Mass Effect. You might be able to have sex with aliens in the first one. I think you can, actually, with a couple I of them. I think I did with the, the blue-haired uh, lady, or the blue tentacle lady. <laughs> um, she just, she, it was her smarts. It was a combination of smarts, and uh, she really carried herself well. I, <laughs> I believe you're referring to Liara, the Asari. Oh, um, Liara, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she was it's my okay. second we're, choice. The first choice not- was Talia. <laughs> Tali, yeah. Well, and you can you can bang Tali in uh, I think the third one with the mask. She's got the gas mask on the Quarian. Uh, I know yeah. their their races, and I'll bring them up from time to time. But don't worry if you don't remember them. But um, but we'll, we'll we'll break those down in a minute. But uh, but yeah. So so you can have sex with. Um, I believe you can have sex with the opposite sex humans and aliens. Certain ones, including. Um, including uh, uh, the Asari, uh, Liara. Although, mm-hmm. We should qualify that because having sex in this game was, you know, about two hours of picking the right dialogue trees, giving the right gifts, and then maybe like a 20-second really awkward CGI fade to butt. sex. Yeah, fade to butt, yeah. Um, fade to butt. So it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to get your rocks off, this wasn't the game to do it. It was just no. a neat little... It character was, building thing yeah yeah and, and again bioware was like feeling it out they get better as time goes on but in the second game the big deal was i thought they did allow for male homosexual relations but they like i think male shep can sleep with um oh the guy in the second one i've got him in my notes but i'll, I'll pull i'll bring him up later um but uh with jacks he looks like jacks from massive right. from mortal kombat 2 but um <laughs> but, the black guy just say yeah. the black guy okay <laughs> anyway (laughs) but he actually looks like jackson briggs but anyway um but yeah for some reason or actually i know why because fox news decided to report when you sleep with the asari that you're having lesbian sex and bioware was like no you're having sex with an alien that has no true sex because the asari are supposed to be sex or like both sexes they're sex less to a certain extent or they are both sexes um, but I think that's a cop out because, as I said in the previous episode, uh, the Asari look like women. They have breasts. And they talk like are, women. F- yeah, they're female. They mm. they take on the female role. They're very um, they're very kind of soft and suave, and and they're they're tough fighters, but they're also very gentle and kind of they have the attractiveness that you the, the things that people who are attracted to women are interested in. But because of it, Mass Effect is always straight away from lesbian sex and i hear that even andromeda doesn't allow for lesbian sex but it could be wrong um but uh but yeah so it's always a weird thing um so yeah so but i do think you can have homosexual sex so um but yeah so um but yeah so moving away from sex for a minute <laughs> Hashtag fade to butt. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, so you get dropped into this world, you know, and um, I, w- the first mission you do before you really learn a whole lot, you get a little bit of plot, but you get dropped on Eden Prime and you kind of get to learn how this game works um, with a combination of dialogues. You do some dialogues and some tracking and you play around with, you know, telling people what to do. And because you're kind of a commander, you can take as much or as little. Uh, control of the the characters on the field as you want. Um, And then it does get you into the heat of battle. 
uh, Matt, I don't know if you recall what your first time fighting and shooting and running in Mass Effect was I, like, but <laughs> was that was that not like the first time you encountered the Geth? Right, you, you encountered them on uh, Eden Prime. Yes, you go to what you think is a recon mission. Yeah. And it ends up being a full-blown Geth attack. And the Geth are, just if you're following along, these are cybernetic uh, beings that are kind of rebelling from a, a point of enslavement in the past. And they are definitely, um, the galaxy is definitely very, I guess I would say, against them. <clears throat> but what were what were the zombie-like robot Geth? Weren't they the Geth? What were those yeah. called? Because that's what you encounter in Eden Prime, right? It's yeah, kind these, of that these are the Geth, or, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, those, those, those are the Geth, okay, gotcha. Yes, yeah, so you might be thinking of like the Reapers, which are the big bad, um, and then there's the what are they called? The collectors, collectors I think, is the yeah, the ones the, in the, the second insect game. ones. Yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. So, but for this one, your your big bad would pretty much be the Geth um, uh, for your your normal robot stormtrooper types. <laughs> but right. what did you what did you think of the combat going into it right off the bat? It was hard to get used to because I think it, for, it was something different for me because it was very much you had a radial dial with your powers and there's also the element of you could kind of combo with your, your partners, right? So one of them could take down the shields and you could blast them or someone could lift them up and you could blast them. So for the first, I'd say like 10 hours, I was just getting used to that system. So it was mm -hmm. a little off-putting. I'm, I'm not going to lie in the very beginning. Well, and I don't know what kind of character you played. I played a sniper rifle pistol type. And mm -hmm. if you ever wanted to see, because the first Mass Effect does not use, it's a third-person shooter perspective, but it does not use shooter mechanics. It uses D20 rolls, which, to be fair, was what it did for KOTOR. And I, right. do, I do believe that BioWare was very much building on KOTOR when they made Mass Effect. They were making a license-free... Yeah. And, and I, it was a little less Star Wars and a little more Star Trek, but I think those are reductive... I think Mass Effect has an identity of its own. Absolutely. I think the power system was really good. But like I said, it was just it was new to me. So I was I think initially I was just like gun gun gun, but then I'm like, no, oh, I got powers. I should see what these are all about. That's true. Yeah, and I did like using the powers. And again, we're not going to get into it. We're not breaking these down. Uh, I avoided that in the no. last episode too. But but what I what what drove me nuts the most was the idea that with a sniper rifle I would go shoot somebody or I would aim at somebody, <laughs> I'd have them dead in my hairs and I'd miss yeah. them. Or even with a pistol, when you're shooting at someone, you get a headshot, but it counts it as a miss, or it hits them in the chest or something. You're like, what the That's hell? That's true. Eh? I, didn't, I didn't know it was playing by uh, the D20 rules, because I remember that being a frustration as well. Like, mm -hmm. I thought my crosshair was right on his face, and so it, how did I not hit him? <laughs> right. And for those of you who are keeping tally, um, this is number one check. Biggest, uh, biggest complaint probably coming out tally. of reviewers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> This is the biggest complaint coming out of um, the characters, uh, uh, or sorry, out of the reviews of Mass Effect 1. Yeah. So that's why it gets, yeah. it's fixed and quote unquote fixed in 2. Um, the other big problem I think the game has in the beginning is you go to Eden Prime and remember you, you kind of touch the, uh, the, the monolith that you don't know is going right. to be there. Um, and you kind of witness right. some heavy rain shit that goes on in the galaxy that you weren't supposed to be a part of. You know, you were you were what a captain in the uh, in the human based uh, intergalactic army, right? And you suddenly get to learn of the Reapers and all kinds of stuff by touching this monolith. It kind of infuses information to you, and as a result, but they say it's also for your merits, and people can argue one way or the other. You get to basically head to the Citadel, which is kind of the 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 home base of of the galaxy 
for for Mass Effect. Um, and you're kind of whipped into this concept that you're going to become a Reaper, which are kind of like the space police. It's almost easier to tell it in metaphors. If you're not familiar with Mass Effect's plot line, the easiest way to yeah. put it is you space go to Coruscant to become a Jedi. <laughs> yeah, or a Green Lantern. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. You're, you're kind of, yeah. you're not above the law, but you are to the side of the law. Um, yeah, you, operate. you can walk into planets and like kick people and they can't really do anything about it. Right. You really, operate faster. You're the FBI versus the cops, you know, things like that. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and that kind of sets up the, the universe. And for the record, if people don't know what mass effects are, um, we basically found, uh, hints of a, of a alien civilization on Mars. And that gave way to new technology, including being able to harness a uh, a form of gravity called the mass effect and use these gates called mass relays to travel across the galaxy very quickly and that kind of thwarted forward human evolution and now we learn we're not alone in the galaxy and aliens we're all one big society but humans are never really trusted because well let's face it we're fucking humans um <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah so you go to the Citadel, and this is where you can spend a lot of time or very little time, depending on your mode. But A lot. Yeah, what did you feel about what is essentially the largest info dump ever in the history of video games? Oh, like when you first got there? Yeah, you get all this plot. You meet... God, let's count it up. Okay, so... You meet uh, Doctor Exposition. You meet Senior <laughs> Exposition. There's tons... Exposition. Yeah, there's tons, of, uh, there's tons of exposition. You meet all of the aliens, uh, just so we can count them up. You meet the Torians. Garrus is your main Torian. You meet the Krogans. Uh, Rex is your main Krogan. You meet the Korians, Tali. You meet the Asari. Lots of, lots of Asari around everywhere, but Liara is your main one. And then, of course, you've got your humans, including... Um, uh, Captain David Anderson, um, who gives the Normandy well, did, to you, but it did that RPG thing where you walk into any room and there's just someone just willing to talk to you about their entire <laughs> life history and the history and geopolitical conflicts going like everything, <clears throat> and a relatively large brunt of MMO esque fetch quests exist all across the yeah. Citadel, and they're very useful to do for both boosting your levels and for getting weird little perks and items and various other things, but it makes for a very weird just destruction of the, the forward momentum of that game. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it, it depends on your playstyle, right? Because I'm very much, I have to do everything in every location, so I think I was at the Citadel for like days before I carried on the story, and I was exactly. looking for those weird little spider creatures too. Remember there was this quest to... Uh, talk to each one of them yeah yeah and and Costin's talking about this the talking jellyfish i do recall them as well but i don't think talking these are who you're talking about yeah. you're looking for all the guys with the eight legs that are typing on all the computers at consoles there's like 30 of them or something and i thought they're gonna be super important to the plot i thought these were like these are the <laughs> right. secret aliens that are controlling everything no they're never mentioned again you get like 100 they're xp like, or something <laughs> i know i was like oh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, and so again, you can do as little or as much of the Citadel as you want. But if you want to learn everything, you get it all at the Citadel, and it's it's heavy. It's very heavy because well, every got a codex right that you can look up <laughs> if you need to, which I did a lot during the game. Yeah, which is actually actually probably the better way to do it is you go reference those files not so much when you get them, but as you go along because you don't have a whole you know and you get more than others right. The Asari are very interested in telling you their whole story, and you learn a lot about the Asari and their underground. Yeah, don't learn so much about the Krogans. <laughs> not, not yet, anyways. Until yeah, you get not to yet. Exposition world. 
number 10. Yeah. E- exactly. So, <laughs> um, but ultimately, and beyond that, the, the, ultimately the first game is, uh, you basically, um, learning of the concept of the Reapers and where they're coming from and, and what they are. But your main mission is really chasing down this, uh, Torian by the name of, uh, Saren, who is kind of a specter that's gone rogue. That is your, that is your, on the, on the, on the level. Um, hold up. Are we calling them Reapers? Should we be calling them Spectres? Aren't Reapers the ones, the bad people? Reapers are the bad guys that are, you learn of them for the first time in the first Mass Effect. Yeah, but you're, you're becoming a Spectre, though. You're becoming a Spectre, Spectre's and a, your first right. mission as yeah. a Spectre is to chase after Saren, who was like one of the best Spectres that's ever been. And uh, there's actually a book. I've got it. I forgot what the name of the book is. Um, I could look it up if we all really care, but uh, it tells uh, Saren's story and why he defected. Um, yeah, okay. But uh, but yeah yeah so so yes you're you basically become a specter in the beginning and then you're being tracked by the specters as you track down another specter, um, right? And that's kind of, I mean that is kind of your your plot. Um, but I mean the the big reveal though is that mm-hmm. uh, Saren's being controlled, right? Like that's Correct. the big Correct. bridge to the second one and the the whole plot. Right, and I believe he was getting controlled by the Reapers and not the Collectors. Yeah, he was an agent for, uh, let's see what Wikipedia has to say, the yes, Reapers. Exactly. Yeah, although, okay, and I'm going to get a little uh, into the weeds, but wasn't this no, the game where the whole, controver- not controversy, the um, <clears throat> conspiracy theory was that Shepard was indoctrinated in, in the first one? indoctrinated in what sense by the reapers like he became a reaper or he became mind controlled in the first one that was that's one of the conspiracy theories oh i've heard that conspiracy theory yes that your your whole reason for doing all this stuff because i do think in the end saren ends up doing stuff for good i'm trying or or for what he thinks is good i I don't want to i don't want to go down that tangent i don't want to taint the whole podcast with that but i thought that was interesting i think in the first one they there's a scene i think where shepherd there's lost time or something and people say that's when he was indoctrinated okay and i can understand that yes um oh i'm sorry no the sovereign the sovereign is one of the reapers which is who you eventually find and um and uh Saren has has li- aligned himself with the reapers so there you go so there, there you go there you have it um but uh but yeah so and and i remember uh <laughs> and and again as you're going throughout this the, it's pretty linear mission structure like i know people don't like me saying this but i feel that a lot of games like this and uh including like skyrim and stuff are really linear games they're just you can be you can be non-linear about the the path you take but everything is like go here do this go here do this it's a it, it's kind of like yeah. It's as nonlinear as Mega Man is nonlinear. You're just picking your levels at different times. Um, I, I, you could deviate to some degree. I mean, you could scan planets if you wanted to for a couple. That was minutes. in the second I, one. In the first one, you could go to planets and kind of like fight an ambush camp and take back some resources. Um, yeah, oh, and then the Makos, the Makos. Mako. So, what'd you think of the Mako? <laughs> Your six-wheeled car. Everyone likes to poop on the Mako from the uh, the first one. I I enjoyed. It. I loved blasting those little space worms that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple side missions you could find. 
I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool add-on. You didn't have to do it, but I guess you had to resource. You had to gather a bunch of resources to make weapons and stuff. You did. You did. And the the yeah. other thing about the Mako was it was... I, I get the argument that it was kind of clumsy and it wasn't very strong. For a tank, it's pretty weak. Um, it was an exploration vehicle, though. It wasn't <clears throat> supposed to be like an all-terrain friggin' well, army. Like, it was supposed to be <laughs> all-terrain, but not an army vehicle. You are correct there. Yeah. Uh, you kind of yeah. repurpose it as such, and that's probably why it doesn't go so well. Um uh. But but yeah, the make was all right. Uh, there, I think what people groan so much about is: Do you remember near the end? This is kind of the big mission where everything goes down. You basically chase down Saren, right? And the Geth oh, are yeah, kind of protecting right. him. And you're on this beach planet, right? You are on Maui, the planet. Like that's right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in the Mako, and when you go to each, you literally do a series of probably like a dozen geth little bases where they're shooting at yeah. you and they have rocket launchers and stuff and they can really do some serious damage to your mako and there's no way to really repair the mako i don't think or you've got to wait a long time for it to repair itself and so it was very tedious you'd have to stay at like a long range and kind of take out all the geth that you could and then you could kind of approach in your mako and it was far enough distance that you had to keep your mako with you because you didn't want it to blow up and i think you even had to have it with you yeah, um I, you're raising some frustrating memories for me well yeah and i, I think that, that was level. where people really came to hate the mako um also <laughs> cosmos says i hated driving the mako with kb and mouse yeah keyboard and mouse probably would have sucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, famously mass effect one you cannot use a gamepad with you can reconstruct the controls but it doesn't go so well um, so if you want to play this with a gamepad, you should probably play it on a console, and that's why Oof. I've never bought the PC ports. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, the DLC is uh, has never dropped in price on EA Origin, so if you want all the DLC you probably bought on either PS3 or 360, you're dropping another 100 150 bucks, and I'm not going to do that either. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so the Mako was somewhat, you know, attacked. I think that was the other large scrutiny that came out of it. Um, mm -hmm. the last part, and I'm curious your thoughts on this was this first game is really an RPG more than an action game, but it really wanted to be an action game though. It really, it, it really did, but it refused to give up its RPG roots with everything from the D20 to the dialogue, yeah. to the dropping, right? Cause a game like gears of war, let's say, let's compare it just because everybody else was because they were all third person shooters. Gears of War doesn't dump information on you like the Citadel does, but RPGs definitely did that. RPGs continue yeah. to do that. It makes perfect sense. I don't um, think it was ashamed of being an RPG, but yeah, you could just sense, even from that last mission, like you said, it, it, it really wanted to break out of that mold and, and be a hardcore action game at some points. And right. it, didn't, it didn't jive too much. And to be fair, I could level the same uh, uh, criticism and probably harder on KOTOR, which a lot of people just seem to yeah. like give a pass to. Um, so there is Gamers that. Gamers giving a pass to bad games? That's not. <laughs> well, it's happens. not a bad game, but it's just. The Skyward Sword. It, it's huh? just funny because, yeah, you take two games that are made yeah. by the same company that have very similar attributes. And in one game, it's okay. And in another game, it's a bad thing. Um, yeah. But again, I think that also stands to the testament of um, kind of when games release. Like, you'll notice mm. that, like, you know, um, a, a super hard, brutally difficult um, action hack-and-slash game is seen as a very bad thing until 
this other game comes out that everyone seems to like, and then suddenly people are all writing articles about how that previous game that we used to all shit on is suddenly cool again. <laughs> so again, yeah. and I'm not even criticizing that. Like gaming trends do change, but I do. I, I will say I think Mass Effect's a little more re- better received the original game probably these days than it was at the time it came out. Um, I think so. Well, because you got the other two games to kind of bolster it too, right? And there's definitely that. Now, for the record, though, review scores were extremely positive on Mass Effect 1. Um, there you go. Yeah, there were the criticisms of the Mako and the RPG mechanics were present. And even, I think some people, some, some slightly more in-the-cut people, uh, definitely um, took it to task on... Um, Let's see, I think it was GameSpot, actually. Kevin Van Ord. Yeah, and I kind of dig him as a writer. Um, he he really kind of, I think, criticized the the binary decisions, the the Paragon Renegade stuff and the fact that like either Rex dies or doesn't die. You can kind of like see where they're etching the idea of choice. Um, but again, it was yeah. their first time through. Um, and also, too, I mean, the, the, it was propped up a lot on this choice mechanic, but if you go through the uh, the software or the program to transfer your decisions, it's really only like four or five major decisions that really count, that really transfer through. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. But we, um, we made it seem like it was more. And actually, when you're making all those decisions in generation, you realize there are more decisions, but they're not necessarily accounting for for them so i'm trying to, i'm trying to recall the ones that had a large impact there was one where you save the the spider creatures right yes the uh, is it arachni i think is what they're called um you like you find in an abandoned cave and i don't even know if you have to find them but you can find them you find their their mm-hmm. queen and she's entrapped she's trapped right and right. So you can freeze her or yeah you can freeze her you can i think you can kill her or release her uh, basically are your, your two choices. And that will come into play very heavily in the, in the following game as will whether or not you let Caden or Ashley die. And then they will go on regardless of who you save to potentially yeah. kill Rex. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, um, so there's that. And, and, uh, and then other than that, um, uh, one thing that I liked was that you could talk Saren into killing himself. I did. Could you? Yep, I did. I never did that. Okay, interesting. What sucks is they just basically boost him into his his second form, his spider form, his spider cyber form, and oh, you, you right. still yeah. have to fight him, which really pissed me off because my character, uh, as I had said, and I don't want to belabor the point, my character with sniper rifles and pistols. Guess what's not yeah. easy to fight an up close one on one battle is a person the, that was, who has sniper rifles and pistols. Right. That was a citadel battle too, right? That was all mm-hmm. close combat, intense. For what it's worth, when you're running to the Citadel, though, like when the Citadel gets kind of taken out and destroyed, you have this great anti-gravity mission. Um, A lot of the missions in the game are very notable, and one of them is this running uh, vertically up the Citadel in kind of an anti-grav fight with the Geth. And having a sniper rifle for that part was super generous as was the, uh, the fight in the Maui like tropical planet. Um, which I apologize to everybody who recently bought Moana and has kids. I understand. Sorry. I'll, I'll call it Honolulu-like. Uh, anyway, um, the, the sniper rifle really comes in handy. It just really doesn't help you for the final boss. And I'll go on record and say, 
I'm willing to sacrifice the usefulness of those in all those missions of fighting uh, just to make that Saren fight a little smoother for me because that was a frustrating hour of just die, repeat, die, repeat. Um, Yeah, I can imagine. They should have let you talk him into killing himself and then just being done with it, but I know they were scared to do that. That's something RPGs did, and I think even Bioware RPGs did that, but it's scary to let someone bypass the last boss battle. Um, I guess so, but if that's what you're role playing as, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. You're that the was diplomatic guy, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe they could have had it so that you, if you did certain tasks leading up to it, or made certain choices leading up to it. Anyways, I know what you're saying, but um, and that that last battle was pretty annoying. So having yes. an option outside of fighting would be nice. And again, somebody's saying you can carry all different weapon types. That's true. Uh, that was the second part that I wasn't prepared for, not knowing I would ever have a battle like that. Um, I had gotten rid of my guns. So that was partially on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I bet it wasn't very useful to have a, a shitty gun uh, that I wasn't any good at using. But <laughs> maybe it would have been. Are you so, are you the sneaky thief in like uh, Skyrim? I am. I'm a rogue. The sneaky yeah. archer. Uh-huh. I'm a I'm a Khajiit that can see in the dark that's an archer. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have like stealth 200. Uh yep. Yeah. In fact, uh not to go too far with it, but Breath of the Wild, um I have tons of armor option choices and uh and I still just wear the stealth armor and uh backstab everyone. <laughs> uh same here, man. I, even in Far Cry, if I've got a sniper rifle, I'm like that's it. No one's ever going to see me ever again in this game. <laughs> yes, I'm exactly. going to stand on a hill and pick off entire settlements. Oh yes, yes. I'm, I'm I'm the ghost. I'm the ghost in everything. Um, yeah, we're the cowards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, what can I say? I just don't like to go in Schwarzenegger style. I get jealous every time I watch that scene in Predator. I'm like, I fucking, can't, how do you do that? <laughs> I can't look him in the eye when I kill him. I just, I gotta, it's gotta be faceless to me. Um, there are times where I've been forced out of that. Actually, believe it or not, uh, I bless you, I think. Um, Excuse me. Believe it or not, uh, Rainbow Six Vegas, uh, that that tactic never worked for me and I got really into the multiplayer for that. So there are times where I've learned to be a hyper aggressive person, but I wasn't any good at it in mass effect. Um, no. So, uh, but yeah, so here's my controversial statement. I think mass effect one, despite the things we've talked about here, had the best storytelling of the trilogy. And I feel like you're going to disagree with me on that. I am going to disagree with you on that. Uh, and we can get into it. Are, are, is this a segue to Mass Effect 2? This is the segue to Mass Effect 2, but real quick, is Mass All Effect right. 2 your choice of the best story, or is it 3? Uh, hmm. I mean, I, I, part of me wants to pick 3 just because it wraps everything up, and I thought it did a really good job of it, even though Fair I enough. think we disagree on that too. Um, but the twist, or just even the start of Mass Effect 2, where he starts as Cerberus. Mm, no, Cerberus. Wait, did he start as Cerberus? Cerberus. Did he start a Cerberus in three or two? Uh, two, because at the end of one, sorry, it's Cause two. Because he died, right? Because at the end of one, yeah, yeah Shepard dies, uh, which was really yeah. weird because um, they set it up, and I don't know that at the time Bioware knew what they were going to do, but maybe they did. Uh, and they were like, don't worry, it'll come into play. But I remember that being a huge thing was that um, no matter what you do, uh, Shepard dies at the end of, of one. So I really like the hook that you're working for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce it the entire time, by the way. Service. I really like that hook in the beginning. I mm-hmm. liked the storytelling in two just in the fact that it, it, it dove you deeper into what that organization was. But it also <laughs> made you realize that nothing's really black and white anymore. There's a lot of weird middle ground that you have to navigate through this entire universe. 
And it's also this much bigger story than you thought it was in the first game. So I like two for just ripping open the story. Definitely. And uh, on cue, let's let's do a little bit of the uh, the Mass Effect uh, uh, two um, opening music. So here we go. Actually, I realize it sounds a little... Okay, that's a little bit better. A little bit more somber. This is definitely our... Your Empire Strikes Back, right? The sequel it's of... It's my wedding tr- song. Yeah. Oh, really? No, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, they took Goldbull out of the dictionary, too. I, uh, uh, anyway, um, but, uh, but yeah... Um, uh, Mass Effect 2 uh, and the sequel, the second movie, uh, the second part of a trilogy is always, to my opinion, the easiest, right? Because you don't have to wrap the story up and you can really take the, the, the game, uh, the game or movie, whatever, the, the iteration in a new direction. And I think that's, I don't think, I don't know if it, I, I wouldn't, in video game terms, I don't think it's that easy because you have to find a way of making it just as epic, mm-hmm. but also setting up an even bigger story to come right like you, you can't true. just have a bridge game or else no one's going to buy the third one i think mass effect 2, that's true now pr- correct me if i'm wrong before going to mass effect 2 the, the whole hype was about the suicide mission right <clears throat> like that was the, the marketing strategy was there's gonna be people who die like pick your team and there's probably gonna be people who die in it yeah and what so did you think of that like, strategy as a marketing person <laughs> and i have a degree in strategic communications myself <laughs> what do you think yeah. of looking back on it what do you think of that as the pitch i loved it i i was like this is interesting because it first of all it made me more invested it made me pay attention more to the people that are surrounding me mm-hmm. and maybe through the entire game like who do i like most uh what skills can i develop and more importantly how can i make each person valuable like not double mm-hmm. up on skills make sure that everyone works well together and maybe i can beat this system that's an excellent point. And the suicide mission itself was was very cool. Um uh but uh but I don't know. I I guess it I guess it is the core of it, right? The suicide mission is the core because essentially Mass Effect 2 is Ocean's 11. Um you right. are right. <laughs> you are reborn good. from good the analogy. Cerberus yeah. network uh and the elusive man becomes uh, played by the very right. talented uh Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Um <laughs> He is kind of your your main man, and and if if ever there was a mob boss, uh, the elusive man is it. Um, <laughs> With the coolest office ever, by the way. Coolest office ever. Yes, he's got views yeah. that people would definitely kill for. Many people would yeah. kill for. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so Shepard. So that's how they bring back Shepard. It's also cool because they do allow you to basically rewrite history or create a history if you didn't play the first game. Um, Not a lot of games were that forward-thinking, in my opinion, at the time that this comes out. Mass Effect comes out uh, a whopping nearly... uh, uh, Well, it's it's three plus years... Or, sorry, two plus years later. uh, January 26, 2010. Um, Mm. Mm. uh, And again, all in the same week, January 2010. Uh, sorry, the the PlayStation. It came out on Windows and 360. The PlayStation 3 version would get announced at E3 2010 and come out January uh, 2011. Okay. So uh, that was the huge deal. It's going multi-platform. Holy shit! Um, 
And it, it, it is it is a testament of the times because the PlayStation 3 is gaining a lot more traction. The Xbox 360 doesn't look like it's the only c- contender in town, which was very much the case in 2007 uh, where the PS3 was was fighting the good fight but not doing so well in the market. Um, right, right. Now it's, it's a completely different story. Um, so... Uh, and it seems to me that maybe EA wasn't as pleased with their contract with Microsoft at that point either, but I don't, I, I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that, uh, before we get started on this, is uh, is definitely worth noting, DLC is a thing. There was a, a hint of DLC in Mass Effect that was very light. It was five bucks. It was not quite horse armor, but it was getting close to that for the one hour long bringing down the sky mission where you would do a... Right a handful of uh, of little vignettes basically um mass effect 2 has dlc really was yes it's got a yeah. uh, it's got a it, some of it is essential too yeah yeah i what one would argue yes i would <laughs> i would argue a uh, lot of this broker stuff yeah. arrival like that's that's all really important stuff you should know yes uh so just so you know um the the handful of stuff was if you pre-ordered you got access to the season pass uh cerberus network which cost 15 bucks in and of itself which gave you the ability to buy download packs um mm. and it gave you zaid uh zaid I thought had one of the cooler uh, missions, but he was one of the people you can add to your group. Um, The other one, I believe, was Kasumi. Um, The thief? Yes. I think she's the other person you can put in there um, and her stolen memory stuff. But uh, I think those are her missions. And then, um, yes, the big ones of note is uh, there were a couple other ones. There was Overlord, um, which was... Let me see this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Overlord people didn't like too much. Yeah, that was the standalone, yeah. and you were using the, the vehicle, um, the hover the hover vehicle for a large portion of that. Uh, but the big ones yeah. was the Lair of the Shadow Broker, which tells the tale of, um, wasn't it Liara? Was she the one? It was one of the Asari stories that kind of takes place while you're dead, basically. <laughs> Yeah, where she kind of, I mean, spoilers, obviously. Yes. We can do spoilers, right? Absolutely. Because uh, prior to this game and during Mass Effect 2, the Shadow Broker is a character in the background that's kind of, you know, pulling the strings a little bit behind the scenes, just this very elusive character. So I guess uh, Liara goes on a hunt for whoever the Shadow Broker is. Right. And becomes the Shadow Broker. And you get to kind of follow that journey, which is kind of cool. Which is very cool. And then, of course, you get access to another massive info dump but it gives you tons of background on all the characters you know so it's interesting because while it is kind of like a a side story to like the beginning of mass effect 2 it really is something you want to play afterwards and then arrival is huge because it bridges the two games (laughs) two and three yeah that should have been like an essential (laughs) i don't see why that that didn't like now why is that not free um, or why isn't that package now with Mass Effect 3, just like in the beginning or, or at the end of Mass Effect 2? That's like again, taking out the last scene of Star Wars and saying, like, you have to buy the. It just. It, is. That, it was all about the Reapers and the Reaper invasion. Mm-hmm. And I must say that uh, that is one of the biggest criticisms that gets leveled is that it's like this is one of the only game franchises where the DLC is kind of essential to the main games. And. Right. EA knows this acutely and refuses to reduce the price. Um, 
course, it's EA. But uh, I'd like to see them at least let me trade in my 360 for another platform, maybe like once, <laughs> like once, right? Because I bought in to Mass Effect being a 360 franchise way back when, right? <laughs> like I bought it in 07. Like I was, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Taking up old wounds. I should point out, I was a, uh, I was working for a newspaper at the time as a journalist, uh, as a uh, games press guy, and so uh, I did get a review copy of Mass Effect Two with all DLC sent to me. So I did not pay for any of it. So maybe I don't deserve it. <laughs> it. Um, I, you know what, I, I want to give a plug to myself because Mass Effect Two was the first Mass Effect I finished the Insanity mode, which I think Insanity ah, we should just touch on the Insanity absolutely. modes in these yes. games. Because they changed the game. Every single game has changed if you play it on Insanity because that absolutely forced you to use every single power. Mm-hmm. Every, find out the secret to every single situation and even find cheats because I don't think it was possible to get through some of these sections without cheating a little bit. Well, and I've never played Insanity mode. So just humor me. Like what? what uh, aside from what you've just mentioned, like, I mean, I, I know it's the I highest mean, difficulty, but... It's just, I mean, it's it's kind of cheap mm-hmm. difficulty. It's 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 essentially like a two shot kills. Everyone's just a bullet sponge. Everyone's got like ten shields, and so <laughs> that you know the situations where you're you're getting swarmed, those are just nightmares because mm-hmm. uh, Mass Effect wasn't great for giving you spatial awareness. You had this third person view, and all of a sudden, an alien jumps on your back, and you're dead <laughs> in this insanity mode. Yes. So, now, could you do insanity yeah. on a new game plus? Like carry a, a stronger question. shepherd. I, I'm curious. I, I'm I guessing want to you say you can because okay. I don't think it would have been possible if you just started out. Which makes I sense. I want to say yes. Yes, we should point out, uh, while uh, it was definitely very difficult to max out level, uh, which I forget what it was and it's kind of arbitrary at this point, but um, in Mass Effect 1, and many people did trees, you know, my co-host uh, on Gaming History X, he uh, he famously played mass effect one through like seven eight times got all thousand achievement points um mass effect two was definitely you'd need to go a second round to max out your level and definitely give insanity a try if you wanted to do that um yeah i think insanity was actually an achievement slash trophy oh i'm no were trophies in effect back then trophies were in effect yes uh okay and here's how you can you can date it here's how i always date it uh i'm a, I'm a call of duty player so i'm a terrible person um <laughs> modern warfare call of duty 4 did not have uh trophies uh which was 2009 uh call of duty 5 world at war did have trophies so that's how i know they were implemented at that point um that's the time so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway um, so the game changes up a little bit. First thing you import your character. And I don't know if you had this problem, Matt, especially if you start on Mass Effect 2, uh, but your, your assets from Mass Effect 1 didn't carry over too well. So your shepherd could come in not quite looking like your shepherd from Mass Effect 1. Um, I can't remember if I had that problem, yeah, but it, really like it just graphically, yes. your guy changed. My oh, girl, funny. actually, I was fem shep. My my, she <laughs> she kind of had her face tweaked. Um, oh. <laughs> and it's not even that it was better or worse; it was different. And I'm sorry, there's this weird thing with Mass Effect, and this is something that I still concede is why Andromeda is running into issues. Is this whole thing of you you have this connection to Shepard, and it's not there for Andromeda. <laughs> so yeah. 
Um, That's fair. And and let's let's be real for a second. Mm-hmm. Animations or character animations were never the Mass Effect strong points. I mean, it's no. never. I don't recall Mass Effect Two or Mass Effect Three blowing me away in terms of character animations. No, I mean they improved as the tech improved, but you're right. They they were nothing to write home about. Nor should they be. Uh, Skyrim, you could say the exact same thing. Ugliest people in all of anyway. Right. They just stood there and talked with you. <clears throat> I mean. Little facial expressions. The voice acting was decent, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Hale, you know, I love her voice acting. But again, that's the big thing we got into in the previous episode was uh, in in the Shepard episode was we talked a lot about the voice actors and everyone like that and a lot of the the organic stuff. So that's why we can kind of dance around it. But... Um, the big thing they definitely changed was the gameplay switch to full blown cover based <laughs> Gears of War. You yep. pressed a button to yep. lock into cover instead of pressing up against it, like soft cover as they call it. And what you shot is what you killed. So not unsurprising. A lot of people who struggled to be pretty good at shooting in that were good at shooters that weren't too good at shooting in Mass Effect one came into two and fucking nailed it. Like Mass Effect two was yep. kind of a cakewalk on normal if you were good at shooters. Um, yeah, from yep. a combat perspective. Yeah, because one headshot usually did away with the shield, and then <clears throat> you're mm-hmm. good to go. Was uh, was two also the mechanic of because uh, they brought back Paragon and Renegade, although it was yep. it was a bit more subtle. But you also had scars, right? This is the one where you had red <laughs> scars or blue scars. There's scarring, and you could interrupt conversations. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you could hit someone. I remember yeah, that. Someone could be talking, and you just slap them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. The guy'd yeah. be like, "Wait, you have to understand that you can't just come in here, pop, shut up, <laughs> sir. I have that drink, you pop." Oh, yes. So um, that was in there. I actually really dug that. Uh, for the record, I never leaned one way or the other, Paragon or Renegade. I kind of just, I, I kind of was. I wouldn't say I was a dick because I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I was just yeah. real, like however I'm feeling at that moment, right? So there's probably a yeah. time in my playthrough of Mass Effect 2 where I totally jacked a, a guy in the nose uh, <laughs> for saying something that was reflective of something that like maybe someone in 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 my life was pissing me off with at that time. You know what I mean? You're just shepherd the bipolar commander. <laughs> just- very much, very much. I, I teetered between Paragon and Renegade constantly in two. Um, well, I'm a trophy horse, so I was like, I got to go all Paragon to get my Paragon trophy. And that makes perfect so. sense. In fact, I need to go back and look at my achievements because I'm replaying the Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, or actually, I started Mass Effect 1 and got about 10 hours in. I plan to replay the whole trilogy uh, throughout the yeah. course of like this year. Um, but I definitely need to look at what achievements I can clean up while I'm doing <laughs> it. So. Well, you know, I mean... Even just talking about Mass Effect Two, like it is, I think it is my favorite of the games because this is the this is the Genophage one too, right? This is where the whole concept of Genophage comes in. Yes, and between the Salarians and, and the 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 Krogan, yeah, Krogan. the Salarians and the Krogan. Yes. Um, yeah. So, do you want to just touch on what Genophage is, uh, just in case people can't recall? Yes, or... I mean, it, it was a pretty big plot point between the games. So Genophage was created by these uh, kind of dweeby aliens, the Salarians, the Salarians as a way to yeah. kind of, the Salarians just kind of control the Krogan race by making their females infertile. Mm-hmm. Um, they zap the just... reproductive organs of an entire race. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was essentially genocide, like mm. just stretched out genocide. And the Krogans obviously pissed off, and obviously the it dictated their culture because Krogans just it was very alpha male ish, 
Uh, males survived and became fighters, and they had kind of a nihilistic view because mm-hmm. their whole race was dying. So that, that informed their entire race. And I just found that entire kind of subplot really interesting because there's a lot of payoff in the third one as well with the whole genophage. And it just kind of, yeah, like I said, it just informs the whole storytelling, I think, in the second one. I agree. It also deals heavily with, and they all you also do this with um, the Geth, you know, where you mm-hmm. start to, you can take on a Geth as a, uh, as one of your, your men, your, your characters. In fact, you have to, I don't think you can skip adding anyone to your group or maybe you can. I feel like the Geth was an optional one for some reason. Maybe, maybe the Geth was an optional one. Um, and I can't remember the Geth's name. Oh, maybe Legion, Legion. No, I think, no, I think you're right. I think Legion was because there was some pretty important mis- missions with him towards the end. Yeah, and again, that's what they did. The The customary missions that t- teach you the stories that you need to know are unlocked through just recruiting them, and recruiting them was the requirement. But then you could do right. the optional missions where they become loyal to you, the loyalty missions. And this kind of was something that caught on right. with RPGs later on uh, as a grand scheme. The loyalty mission, which solidified things, but also complicated things. Uh, again, yeah. for example, Morden, your Solarian, complicated yep. things uh, when you learned of what he did, when he learned of what his species did. Um, right. Especially as now you might have a Krogan, I believe his name was Grunt in this one, um, that he might connect with in some way. Um, right, right. So there was a lot of interesting stuff with that. Uh, and so, yes, with both the um, with both the, the whole Solarian Krogan stuff, as well as the Geth, um, you get into some kind of sociopolitical issues that, again, it's not the first game to do it by far, but it was one of the higher profile games to tackle it. It was some neat depth to it, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. just um, fight the big bad that's coming from space anymore. It was There's a lot of stuff going on between the planets, between the races. And I can't remember the Ansari's the deal. Asari? There was something... Yeah, what, what was their deal? There was something with them, too. Yeah, there is something going on with the Asari uh, that I apologize off the, the top matriarchs of matriarchs or... Can't remember. Yeah, there was something going on with that, and I'm trying to read through it, and I'm gonna just sound stupid. That tells you how memorable it was, I guess. But. Well, no, it is. It's just we. I have not replayed this game since I replayed it in January of 2010. Um, I'm just gonna flat out yeah. say it, uh, and I'm I'm probably the minority in that. I think some people have probably gone back to at least this one quite a few times, uh, yeah. and, and I'm sorry for not doing so. I I, I intend to uh, remedy that, but um, but I think the the key point that we can extrapolate from what we're all saying here is um, this was the the kind of platform for this one was let's. Yeah, the the reapers, the collectors, right? And the collectors are kind of yep. shitty plot point, my in my <laughs> personal opinion. But yeah. the reapers are coming. They don't arrive in Mass Effect Two at all. No. Um, Cerberus, you're trying to gauge them, right? Because they're mercenaries, and you're technically one of them. Mm-hmm. But you feel like there's nefarious means. That all started way too dark. To not, mm. you know, like it's no shock in the third one when oh, the elusive man's a bad guy. <laughs> He's helping. I just the assumed he was all the time. <laughs> yeah, I just, like it was just a shady alliance that I was making until I could get something better. Yeah, I never like the, once thought Cerberus. Yay! It's world. like the worst kept secret in all <laughs> in all of history. Um, right. 
And so, but that's all going on, but that's not really what you're focusing on, right? I think they did a much better job of focusing on the tales of each of the people involved and giving them a future. And that's important because regardless right. of what you're doing, which is essentially in the end, the suicide mission, um, Sami, if you've heard this before, you're basically running through an alien's belly in order to kill the Terminator from the first Terminator movie. That's what you do at the end <laughs> of Mass Effect 2. The Freddy Krueger Terminator with <laughs> yeah. the needle hands. I cannot believe yeah. Jim Cameron didn't sue Bioware. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that being yeah. said, it's not that interesting, but it is that interesting because you go into it no matter what with no matter who lives or dies, everyone's got a story. And by that point in the game, you know everyone's story, at least to a certain extent. Hey. You did their loyalty missions. You made it. You might have sexed one or two up. I sexed Miranda up, so I was I was loath to put her in the line of duty. I didn't want. I was a girl. Up. I couldn't bone Miranda, so um, oh. <laughs> I think it's Jacob. I strapping young man. I uh, Jacob Taylor. Yeah, got got with him. Yeah, that's uh, knocking boots with him. Pick, Jacob mm-hmm. Taylor. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I just want to put out there that I survived the suicide mission without losing a single person. I did too. Uh, with help from the internet, obviously. But, I didn't uh, have help from the internet. I was restarts. I was pre-release no. review copy, man. I, I beat it without oh anyone God. dying. I did not mention that in my review because I knew what would be leveled against me to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, I did a lot of uh, starting from a previous save, though. Well, and here's something you need to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My review style is to take avid notes in a notebook, pen and paper, while I'm yeah. while I'm uh, uh, while I'm doing a review, especially at the newspaper, uh, because it was a much more critical view from my editor on how I'm analyzing stuff. He was he was a film critic who was editing video game stuff. He didn't really play video games, so I took a lot of notes, and so I was able to use those notes to go back and research like very minute details and minutia of what I had written down about the plot and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it, so it is all there, but I don't expect anyone to pay that much attention. And getting everyone to live in your suicide run isn't even necessarily essential. And I'd be pretty upset if in my second time through everyone did live, given that I had had everyone live the first time. Like, I don't really want to repeat that circumstance unless it's accidental, but I really doubt it will happen again. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, but we should, we should talk three because, um, I, I don't want to miss the conversation about the ending. No problem. So, uh, so we wrap yeah. it up. Everything's taken care of. Basically, you go into three, an enemy of the elusive man's turned on you, Cerberus has turned on you, regardless of what you chose. So you go in an enemy of Cerberus, the Reapers are coming. You probably have a pretty good idea. I don't remember if it's said straight out in two, but you can deduce that the elusive man's going to assist the Reapers in their goal. And I think there's a huge monologue before you fight the cyber ninja in uh, Mass Effect 2, uh, <laughs> his bodyguard that, that tells you as much. Um, yeah. And so Mass Effect 3, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it right now, but Mass Effect 3 is the one where it's like, well, you know, um, uh, to be clear, I liked Mass Effect 3 a lot. Uh, I just feel like a lot of people were critical on it over these endings, and we'll get into those and whatnot, but uh, here, let's just throw this out here real quick. Here's your somber end of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, the Earth is being attacked. Uh, I think, and one thing I really liked is that the first scene is in Canada. Cause I, aren't they in Vancouver or... I think they are in Vancouver, actually. I think that's where the Earthling home base is, Vancouver. That's where we would put it if, like, we had to, like, put one spot, you know, in all of the uh, the world, you know. 
Uh, Beautiful place. All the real estate's pretty high in Vancouver, but I guess if you know what, I, I'm going to bet that the the, the Specters can afford it. Um, but <laughs> uh, <you're> probably. <laughs> the elusive man sure can. But um, but yeah. So you go into this one, and they've got to deal with the Reapers, right? We've never dealt with the Reapers, so that's kind of what's mm-hmm. leveled against you. Uh, we know the attack's going to hit right at the beginning, and boy, it sure does. Hell of an opening. Mm-hmm. That was um, great. I loved it. Yeah. But also from Bioware's perspective, they have to wrap this up. And I didn't know how good of a place they were in to wrap it up going into the third game. Like, from my own personal thing, I was like, wow, this is going to have some big shoes to fill. Um, but they it, do it. was it. very ambitious. They left a lot of threads open, a lot of plots open, that's for sure. Yeah, so, and I, I think we can talk mostly about the plot because the gameplay, for the most part, really doesn't change. Mission structures do change a little bit. Um, this one's more well, linear. The gameplay in the sense that your entire drive this time is boosting up your readiness, right? Your readiness percentage. Yes. And that's a constant reminder in the back of your head that, that that's really driving every decision you make, every alliance you form, every mission you do is is getting this percentage number up so that you can – because I think you can decide to make your final charge whenever you want at yes, some point. Yes, you get to a certain point. Yes, yeah. Your readiness is usually at about 30-40%. Uh and it, you basically completed the story missions that lead into the final mission. Um but there were ways to increase your readiness including uh you ready to follow the trends? Uh the the iOS app. Um I had that and I was so hooked on it. Grinding the shit out of it, right? Right? Was that yeah. was that not Yeah, mhm. And uh oh wait, and you can romance everyone in Mass Effect 2 including Miranda. You can as femship? Huh. Okay, then maybe I wasn't good enough. Yeah, I enough. think it was a sex fest in 3. I think they're just like, screw it. Having homosexuality in games is cool now. Yeah, we can maybe do this. you could. Yeah, my bad. I, I think I fucked Jack as a girl. Um, Actually, <laughs> let's 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 call it what it is. Jack you fucked me. You know what? She Jack was hot. I, I'm, she had the Sinead O'Connor thing going for uh-huh. her. I, was, oh, I yeah. was down with Jack. She was bi? Yeah. There was there was yeah. a polyamorous relationship I wanted to get going with Jack and someone else, but I just never really got around to it. Um, <laughs> maybe bring in Tolly for this one. That that seemed fun. Um, but Sans uh, mask, I, she can take the mask off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just for that one moment. Uh, she's like angel. Uh, anyway, uh, back to it. There was also <laughs> there was also online multiplayer in this game. Because right. they heard horde right. mode was real popular, so they <laughs> implemented it. Uh, you know, they stole the gameplay from Gears. They may as well steal the horde mode. Um, uh, but it was also squad-based, though. Yeah, yeah, it like, was. Give it some credit. It was really fleshed out, I find. And I actually, it was it good. Going. It was fun. Yeah. It was totally fun. Um, I remember it being pretty substantial. Yeah, it was. It was It was surprisingly good. Uh, but I just remember, again, the scrutiny that went into it where we were like, they're going to throw multiplayer. Because everything was getting multiplayer thrown into it. And yeah. so, um, yeah. But this worked. And it helped you grind up your readiness. And it was a fun way to do it. Um, right. And you needed to have readiness 100% if you were going to have the elusive man kill himself. He realizes the futility of his cause and kills himself when the Reapers uh, come. So... Right. Did you know that? that Did end. that happen? I it, think I got that ending too. I and think it happens when you have readiness 100% when you go into the final mission. And do you remember one of the final missions? It was just insanity. It was just complete chaos. I think you're on a street somewhere and it's just like all the hardest enemy types, all the it's just swarming you and you're stumbling towards the light. 
Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. I think that was one of the most memorable scenes in the Mass Effect. And that's that's when you meet the elusive man for the, <clears throat> the last time. Yes, that's when you guys have your kind of, yeah, final parting as, as things Before come. you pick your colors. <laughs> yeah, as the shit goes down. Um, and again, uh, I think they did a really good job of continuing striking fear uh, from the Reapers. Uh, um and I just liked how everything went. There was also, like you said, plenty of... They make real good on a lot of the situations that they start or hint at in Mass Effect 1 and 2. And so yeah. I guess we, we should just get into it. Let's get into the criticisms leveled against it that I think at least partially are are, are without merit. Um, and that's not to discredit mm-hmm. them, but I do feel they are without merit and potentially a little dismissive. Uh, so before we get into the ending, a lot of people said that this game... You know, it took all your decisions. I think they showed you the data file. You know, it imported your Mass Effect 2 save and it it, it, it tracked mm. like 169 different points in your playthrough that it would integrate into Mass Effect 3. And a lot of people said that wasn't true. But at the same time, a lot of the decisions you make are kind of reflected in this playthrough. Whether you feel that they, from a, from a you know, minuscule microscopic standpoint, really affected that part or not you know, can be one way or the other, but I do feel that it very much felt like a universe you had created and you're kind of doing yourself a disservice to go look on the internet as to how the universe would shift if it wasn't because Rex ran, led the Krogans in my game. That was significant for me. Yep. Yep. You could visit them and like you catch up on old times. And so, yeah, I can, I now know that there's just another Krogan that just is thrown in his place, but that's where I start to go, well, would I have leveled some of the sympathy I did for the Krogans had it not been for the fact that, you know, the Rex thing went down. So I felt like I was on the level with him and he felt the same way. And in that same regard, if I'd fucked up and the, and the Krogans hate me for killing Rex, would I feel that maybe I don't need to sympathize with them? Cause I definitely didn't play my mass effect game, especially in three to min max for the Reaper battle. Like I wasn't right. specifically right. picking my alliances for that reason. Um, Cause it's not true role playing if I'm doing that. And so, yeah, yeah, I felt that my decisions were reflected in the main game, probably more so than I think a lot of uh, the critics of the decision-making uh, give it credit for. Um, I feel, you know, I feel the same way and it, it, it might've, they might've substituted uh, Rex with another Krogan, but you raise a good point. Like for me, I loved Rex. So when I got to visit him again, I felt really in, endeared to the, the Krogans mm-hmm. and there's a whole through line about uh, solving the genophage that I think I was more, you know, inclined to go towards because, you know, I was still friends with Rex. I was still, I was the buds, man. I was the Krogans dude. I was on good terms. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, so there was that. And then, of course, um, if you're ready to move on, uh, I think we should yeah. tackle the ending. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> The three different colors of explosions. <laughs> so the final mission is four hours of horde Star mode. <laughs> should we talk about Starchild? Sure, sure. Let's talk about Starchild. So who is Starchild? You, get, you meet Starchild at the end of the game. So. And at the beginning, right? Because oh, you, you start right. having visions of uh running through the field this kid running through the field who starts mm-hmm. talking to you um that's I, I think it's the game's kind of last chapter effort to add in this whole new element of just this omnipotent being that controls destiny like what did you make of star child 
Uh, I would say a, a deity like maybe not necessarily on the level of God as Christians in America believe God to be, but some sort of uh, higher being. Was this, was this a Deus Ex thing though? Like, do you think this was Bioware going? We need to add a star child to <laughs> kind of draw everything together. Uh, it did seem out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely was, I know for a fact, or at least I feel confident enough in saying they invented the Star Child when they went to write three. Um, I don't feel like that was part of the grand vision. Um, I will say for a while there, I was a little untrusting of the Star Child, thinking that it was in fact um, the Reapers messing with me. And again, as you spoke to, that is another one of the fan theories that's out there. Um, That's the one that takes the least amount of imagination, Um, but it is one of the theories. They were dead the whole time. And if you shoot the star child and you can, at the end, you can get the fourth ending. I know that. That uh, that the paradoxical ending that undoes reality. (laughs) Don't do that. Are you joking right now? I'm dead serious. You can shoot the star child. You can go Google that on YouTube. The, The secret fourth ending. That's funny. Yeah, don't shoot the star right, child. Let's, let's, let's get into the ending because the ending is the most contentious thing about this series, I sure. think. Sure. So you got red, blue, and green. <laughs> red, blue, and green. But first and foremost, yeah, okay, we'll talk about that ending first because okay. um, it's it's all leading to these three endings, right? It's it's uh, the options are do you because you're after you you beat the big bad, you're you're put into the decision of how are you going to shape the universe going forward. Right, and Yogi's saying this in the chat. This is where the people say, what, then my decisions meant fucking nothing. They meant something. They just didn't mean what you had decided they were going to mean. But it's (laughs) the journey, and this this story might differ, but I think it's the journey. Your decisions played out in the entire game of three. It just just wasn't about the ending. It's about all the relationships you built and all the role-playing you did, and I think... And the things that were revealed, yeah, need to come to pass when you pick the ending. Um... Because trust me, it goes worse if you think um, think about Deus Ex, Mankind, Div- or not Mankind Divided, the other one, uh, Human Revolution. Now that's an arbitrary four decisions <laughs> end of the game. They even yeah. let you save in the room. Uh, there anyway, were switches. There was literally buttons. <laughs> yeah, Which yeah. ending would you like? <laughs> so that in mind, um, so there's the okay. red ending where you destroy the galaxy, right? You destroy everything for good and stop the cycle believe right. right and you live. and then uh but i think like you get rid of tech mass effects right like you get rid of the mass relays. yeah you basically break the ability for the reapers to return um yeah and send but you us also back to condemn storage. humans yeah can humans can't travel it's the escape basically. from la ending um yeah <laughs> which is a, a random pull but anyway and then there's blue blue is you take what the star child says and you basically yeah. repeat the cycle. You send yeah. the Reapers away. Everything stays status quo. And in 50,000 years, somebody's going to have to do the same thing you just did. It is right. the very definition of insanity. So we will call it the insanity ending. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the hippie ending, the green ending, um, which is have robot will fuck. Um, uh, synthesis, <laughs> synthesis of humankind and... Um, and, and uh, of synthetic and organic, basically. Interesting. I can't remember which one I picked. Because, uh, well, green, you'll remember, Joker uh, personifies the ship, fucks it, which is... There's, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's some sexual tension that was going on the whole trilogy <laughs> with that one, so I'm good with that. Um, yeah. And then goes off to an Eden-like, you know, ut- utopia to start a new society. Yep. 
Um, right. And thus begins organic and synthetics in a, in a crossbreed, um, which is fair. If you follow Seth Green's you know, career up to that point with Robot Chicken, it makes perfect sense that he would be the, <laughs> yeah, it's canon. the progenitor yeah. of that. Um, yeah. So, uh, th- and that's the one I picked. Um, I know that's the one I picked. So, but whichever one was the one where that, yeah, they landed on some nice, like vacation planet. And... Yeah. That's, that's, that's green. That's what I that's, think uh, okay. a lot of hippies picked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all of Canada probably picked that. <laughs> You've told me one thing about yourself, but now it tells me everything I need to know about <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but, uh... Peace, man. We're all smoking the ganj. I I really um to be honest with you there's no like life story I can give you but for some reason I really connected with the Geth story and I really just thought that synthetics needed to be not so heavily harassed and to be fair I do the same thing in Human Revolution uh in Deus Ex mm-hmm. like in a lot of that stuff um it's weird because I don't know if I'd be so keen on it in the real world <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Like, you know, you look at people fucking robots and you're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let I them mean, vote? each to their own, but... Uh. <laughs> Do we let them vote? Like, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, that's going to that's gonna be our social issue for our kids, eh? That's yeah. My, my daughter's going to bring be. home a robot boyfriend. A, a USB dildo, and you're like, oh, no. Um, Get that rust bucket out of the house. <laughs> we don't call them rust buckets anymore, Dad. <laughs> Do you know what what we used to do with robots that malfunctioned in my day? Let me show you a movie called The Terminator. (laughs) Let me tell you where this all ends. Um, Don't be a robotist. (laughs) But uh, anyway, and then so Burr's talking about the extended cut. So uh, after having a lot of scrutiny from the community leveled against them, Bioshock, Bioware. Well, okay, I'm going to stop you there. Let's let's okay. not make it a nice word and say scrutiny. It was full out bitching and okay. whining. Yeah, after the citizens came with their pitchforks and uh, torches uh, for Bioware's yeah. head, uh, namely probably the doctors. Um, yeah, Bioware made a poor decision, and that poor decision was not to clarify the endings and release this director's cut. Um, it was to give in to that and basically give fans the impression that a large company will bend to the will of the vocal minority, in my opinion. I honestly, and I'm not kidding, I honestly think that started a tide of these stupid gamer petitions. Mm-hmm. And I think it opened the doors to just like developers needing to respond to these just ridiculous outcries from the public. Because uh, I remember the whole debate at the time with these endings, because people were like, this is not the ending I wanted, I want more closure. I'm like, well, play the game. That's The entire game was closure, first of all. But and had no all, one this... ever been dumped up to this point? Sometimes that's your closure. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, there's a, a lot of fun. ex-girlfriends I'd love to get some closure with, but it just didn't happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it just, it just it really irked me how they, they gave in Mm-hmm. To it wasn't it was it wasn't even like a nice outcry. It was just like death threats and like how dare you take my seventy dollars and only give me sixty hours of gameplay and not give me a cutscene at the end where Miranda is sipping tea in the Citadel or something like that. It was just it, it just was really whiny and it just it opened the door for just a lot of these. But I still I still oh, blame yeah. Bioware. Bioware as Bioware a company, yeah, should not have yeah. changed. Should not have given in. Uh, stick to your decisions uh, because people are allowed to freak out any way they want to. I don't 
agree with it and if and some of this doxing and shit that didn't happen in this case but that's borderline you know uh where the law gets involved but for what had happened there i think bio bioware needed to just take it um and i think for some reason those misgivings those trolls have been hidden away for a long time and they have definitely returned for andromeda because the internet turned on that game real fucking fast and without a whole lot of justification Oh, um, it's really nitpicking, I find. I, the game's not even out yet. Well, didn't it just and come out? There was already death threats against the animator. Like, I think Andromeda just the, came out today, so... No, I, I mean, but at but the yeah, time, at like, the time, we've been yeah. doing this for a week, mm-hmm. where people have just been really angry about the fact that the facial animations aren't that great. And, and various other it, things, although, real quick, I'm sorry to do this to you. I do want to discuss yeah. Andromeda for a couple minutes uh, at the end of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I want to make sure we've wrapped oh, up yeah, three yeah, sure. beforehand. So those endings kind of just, they were more specific. And you know what it did? It pissed off people like me who thought they never should have done them in the first place. And it pissed off everybody who wanted a different ending because they did what they asked for was more closure, but that's not what they really wanted. They wanted you to reprogram that game from the ground up and be something it wasn't from the moment it released. And they right. didn't get that right. either. So everybody was pissed by that decision. And I just don't see why they did it. No, it was it was wasted time on the developer's part. No one was going to be happy. Right. But we did get that baller birthday party DLC. I, that didn't, I didn't see him. I, I avoided him completely. I'm like, I'm fine with the ending. I, oh, well, I, no, there's the, no, they, they released after that the DLC where you, uh, you're you about to do your final mission or something. It goes back to that time. And you just okay. have a birthday party with all the characters in Mass Effect as like a send-off. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's a crazy piece of DLC. I've not played it, but I bought it. <laughs> That's funny. I no, I don't think I've I've checked that out. Yeah, so anyway, uh but yeah, people get drunk, all kinds of fun stuff. It's it's pretty funny, but um I anyway. thought the third game did a did a fine job. It, it, for me, it wrapped up a, a huge story. It put a it put a nice stamp on everything they were trying to do. Some of the stuff was left open, but I mean, at the end with those three decisions, it it's basically <clears throat> There's no coming back from any of those decisions. So I totally it ended, this, yeah. it ended the series. I totally yeah. accepted my Mass Effect, um, and that was I thought it ended exactly as it should. Um, yep. So, um, any closing thoughts before we jump into Andromeda for five minutes? No, I just I, as a as a series, it's one of it's still one of my favorites. I think I'll go back and play three at one point. It's just. Uh, Oh yeah, there's yeah. a there's a weird Wii U version of this game. Also, we should, we should point out oh, this game released on Wii U, so you can play this version of, on Wii U where you basically spend like four hours uh, redoing Mass Effect uh, one and two in like comic form, or you can just have Bioware pick it. And I've always wanted to just run through Mass Effect three with Bioware's choices, so maybe I'll yeah. do that at some point on my Wii U, um, but uh, but not anytime soon. So. Uh, funny. <clears throat> it's probably one of those things that sounds like a really good idea at the beginning, but you get really bored of as you get about 10 hours in. Um, but anyway, you can see that. So then we come to Andromeda. It has been uh, mass effect three came out in 2012, March 6th, 2012 mass effect. Andromeda comes out March 21st, 2017, five years later, not too much has been talked about shepherds gone takes place 600 years after Mass Effect 3 um, as we are rebuilding, uh, or was it 600 years before? It's 600 years removed from the Mass Effect 3. Is it really? Okay. And you are in the cluster of Andromeda where you are um, 
basically P- you're Lewis and Clarking the Andromeda Galaxy. Is it the galaxy? I think it's the galaxy. And you're I think, the Pathfinder within the like the first exactly minutes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's about as much as we should probably say to the plot of Mass Effect yeah. Andromeda. Yeah. I've never played it, um, and I won't be playing it anytime soon. Um, I'm loading it as you speak. There we go. Good. Good. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I got addicted to Witcher just before this came out and I, I can't cut the habit. So, uh, instead of going oh, to man, rehab, I'm just going to keep going. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> so, um, we should also real quick, I want to point out that while Mass Effect 3 did get attacked by the community, it did win a lot of, uh, video game awards and whatnot. And it was, it was mostly beloved by, uh, critics and whatnot. So, um, I think in general, the series is beloved. Like any major popular series, every single title is going to have something that people latch on to. Exactly. Um, and, and and that's especially the case for Andromeda, uh, which, which kind of I, I feel like the criticism towards Andromeda just points out how broken. So just in case you're not aware, because it's, yeah. this is a retro podcast and uh, you probably didn't oh, come for this. Yeah. But no, 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 no. Um, yeah. What started off is, hey, look at these shitty animations in an animated GIF or GIF, depending on how you say it. Uh, and yeah. and wink, nod, Friday, ha, 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 just became, fuck Mass Effect. They killed my childhood. <laughs> over, the, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And A game I don't have to buy or anyway interact with is bad, and that makes me angry for some reason. Well, uh, and welcome to the internet. Um <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. But uh, but it, yeah. so what fascinates me is less the response and more th- where did this come from? You know, I think it's just pent up. It, it, every AAA game gets this beforehand. There's always something people latch onto, mm-hmm. and it's always, it, people are in camps, right? So people who want their Zelda game to be the best game on the market right now will find something wrong with the next game coming up that might unseat it. And I think. You've got you've got your Horizon out right now. You've got your Zelda. Here comes Mass Effect that wants to take the limelight as well. So I think a lot of it comes from people in those two camps, or just in other camps playing their Call of Duties or what have you, saying, "No, no, no, we can't let this new kid come in and steal the spotlight. Look at these shitty animation. Look, look, there's a GIF of someone walking like they're taking a poop. Like this game's crap. <laughs> well, and dismiss to, it. One thing the chat saying, Clue Drew and Billy OK are coming in, and, and I, I can totally yeah. uh, stand by them. They said the one thing you need to understand is they 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 leveled against the animator, as you had said, Matt, and blaming the animator for this game is the same way as blaming the cameraman for a movie you don't like. Uh, that's Clue Drew's exact, exact words, and I'm sure many others have have, have said that before. Um, <clears throat> that being said, and 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 we're not even saying that the animation controversy is not without merit uh, there is there is no, the, those animations are, are kind of rough they're not um, great yeah <laughs> but uh th- but anyway uh but yeah my point is that uh i think another part beyond uh those categories you've mentioned matt which are which are definitely probably the brunt of of what's being leveled against this game is also there is this game was doomed um with how much people loved the first three Mass Effects because one, it doesn't have Shepard, so it's at a disadvantage right there. Or and the same team, essentially. Yes Making and it. no. The lead writer is still the same lead writer, but yes, it was kind of a new team making the new engine and whatnot, but... I would like to believe that a large portion of Bioware is still there and was still working on this. And, and maybe time will tell that that's not the case, but that's how I kind of feel. Um, but there are a lot of people who are like, Mass Effect is so near and dear to me. You better not fuck this yeah. up. But they have the benefit of it 
it it wasn't that to you when you played through one, two, and three. Even by three, it, they came out just close enough together that I don't think it was quite there yet for you. Now five years have passed. You got some big shoes to fill, you know. And I huge shoes to fill. Yeah. And I point to another EA franchise, and we're not going to get into whether you agree with this or not. Uh, Mirror's Edge, I think, walked in with Catalyst oh, yeah. with very much the same regard. And uh, the most dangerous thing I've ever said was, eh, Catalyst is good if you liked Mirror's Edge. Like, I don't see what the problem <laughs> would be. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly pinning a target on my forehead. Yeah. Um, so. Well, one, one point I do want to make of this, and neither of us have played it, so I, we can't talk too much, but. Yeah. One point I do want to make with this whole criticism about Mass Effect is that critics got to decide when graphics matter and when they don't matter. Because you'll have games that come out that aren't graphically very good, but the storytelling's great. And they'll get a huge pass. They'll say, graphics doesn't matter if the, the gameplay or the story's good. You, but right mm-hmm. from the start, Mass Effect was a shit game because their jaws look big. And I'm like, pick, pick a side, pick a lane, because Zelda's getting a huge pass. It's, it's not... It's not breaking mm-hmm. any boundaries in and terms it's of dropping, character animation. It's dropping frames left and right. It really is. Yeah. I'm just so why say. does that get a pass? And Mass Effect is like <clears throat> it's it's a tragedy that Mass Effect drops frames, whereas Zelda is like, well, it can do it because it's Zelda. So let's let's pick where we're gonna take pot shots at games because I I hope Mass Effect Andromeda is a is a fantastic story, uh, and, and a great experience that all that stuff makes up for. It, but people don't seem to want to look past that that overbite basically. I agree. And with that, I think we're going to put it to a close. Uh, Mr. Matt, why don't you do me the honor of pimping your shit? Uh, tell us where we can find you. <laughs> no, pimp my shit! Well, I'm on ZombieCast uh, every Monday at uh, 8 o'clock on All Games Network. I'm also on No Sleep Podcast, uh, which is a horror story podcast that I do uh, read stories for. That comes out every Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I write for the Guinness World uh, Gamers Book Edition, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, my, my buddy, that uh, link I mentioned at the top, it's called The Annotated Annotated Symphony of the Night. The Look Annotated it up on YouTube. Symphony he just, of the Night, okay. He, the Annotated Symphony of the Night, it's just he goes really in-depth on the game, and uh, I thought it's really well done. He's a huge Castlevania fan, so if you like what Fred does, which I know you all do, uh, and want a little bit more of Castlevania, <laughs> check that out. And I will and definitely have that. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely have that in the show notes. And you are who on Twitter? <laughs> At Matto McFly. Uh, M-A-T-T-O-M-C-F-L-Y. Wonderful. All right. Well, well, thank you very much for being on and joining with us. I'm sorry. We had a good solid 20 extra minutes we could have squeezed out of this episode. But unfortunately, my sound issues have screwed that up. But with that, <laughs> we're going to call this to a close. Uh, you can find everything on mine, GamingHistory101.com. And of course, uh, check us out here on All Games every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So with that, we're going to close with a little bit more from the Mass Effect 1 soundtrack. Um, and Matt, uh, if you can hang with me for a minute, I want to talk to you about something right after while we're off the air. So give me one second. Mm-hmm. We'll close things up. Mm-hmm.